0: When we keep it with respect, we've fixed racism, we've fixed all sorts of discrimination. It's gone with the click of the fingers. That's how fast we can do it. Be open to things. If you don't agree with other people, don't just go, I don't agree with you. Ask them why they believe the way they do because you'll be surprised. In that conversation, they may come to your side or you may come to their side or you might even join in the middle or you may just realise that, no, you have your view, I have mine, but you'll learn to respect the other person in that and that for we don't have to change people to be like us. We just have to change ourselves to be better people, and the other people will do the same. We've got a better community straight away. Try this
1: out. for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged. Intention starts from a no-judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation.
2: there we go we are live and I'm live on the decision table at a different table today so welcome to the decision table Alan from the Gold Coast where are you right now
0: in Newcastle and thanks for the invitation
2: oh you're in Newcastle I think you're the first person I've ever had here from Newcastle so there you go what's the weather like there it's boiling hot here at the moment
0: it's not too bad at the moment I know the sun's out a little bit overcast but still a good day we love that
2: All right. Well, here on the decision table, literally, this is just a conversation. I got to travel the world and have amazing conversations with some really smart cats across the world. And I honestly felt a little bit selfish that I got to have these conversations, but no one else got to share the droplets of wisdom that I was hearing, gaining, and, you know, just having this as we were kind of learning and evolving together. And I thought, you know, one of the things that I've seen, and last year was a tough year in a lot of ways for many people. And I was like, how do we make sure that this year is not the same as last year? And one of the things that I decided was, what if I could have a conversation with someone different every day and share as we continue to evolve? Because we can't do it the same way. We've got to do things differently. But I think it's part of a journey as well. Good and sure. so part of this is just having conversations where we're still trying to figure it out whatever it is that we're figuring out to do it better more effectively and be more effective leader across the globe so that's what this is about and you know I know I've got some great people in my world who have, have tried to get us connected and happening and so you know when James said to me you've got to have Alan on the decision table I was like okay I'm listening so welcome to the table I'm really grateful you are here and that we are able to have a conversation when I say something like this, and that is that we use different lenses here on the table. And this month, our lens is humanity as stakeholders. At the decision table. What does that bring up for you? Well,
0: as you said, you've been having these conversations with people all over the world. And the mm. beautiful part of it is, as you said, it was a real gift that you had the opportunity to listen to those people. And I run a group called the Campfire Project, which is doing the same sort of thing, connecting with people. It's together. Once we start to understand each other, that's when we can really improve our humanity. We can really come together as one. You know, when I created the hashtag we together, it was all about if you want to fix problems, you don't do it on your own and you don't do it by being a little tribe over here, another tribe over there, because you know, work on the dichotomies, you're at loggerheads all the time. So by getting shoulder to shoulder with each other and looking at the problems, we can solve them. Because we're not Mm. looking at each other as being the problem. We're looking at being the solution, working on the problem together. And that way, we're able to grow faster.
2: Yeah, I love that. And here's a couple of things that come up. So we want to be the solution rather than the problem. I love that. And we are tribes that are really diverse across the globe. And a lot of even within tribes is becoming division. So that gap between where we want to be and what we know is so beneficial for us as a humanity, that gap is widening. How do we start narrowing that gap?
0: Well, first thing to realise is it's in the differences between us is where the real beauty is. Now, yes, we hang around people who are like us because it's comfortable, but let's face it, when we go out into the real world and we're applying for jobs or we're looking for partners and everything else, the people who are like us become our competition. But when we're in uh, working in a business, for instance, we want to build teams and teams are made from the people of different personalities. They all bring different things to the table. They all bring different gifts. And that's in business. We want to grow our business. So we go, great, we've got to have the right teams. But we use the same thinking on our relationships outside the business business and we realize that hey it's in the diversity is where the real gift for all of us is that's where the beauty is and the more that we can understand the other differences the other people bring to the table and realize that they complement what we do it's like men and women we're not the same we are complementary and when we realize we're complementary in that complement we actually create something greater than the two of us separated and what we can do on our own we bring together so much greater so you know as you said the conversations i love having conversations with people understanding the different lifestyles they've had i can see similarities in the aspirations that they have, the things that drive them mm. moving forward, but their stories are all unique and everybody on the planet is completely different to everybody else. Everyone brings a gift to the table. Once we understand yeah. that and we bring those gifts to our table, it's our table mm. and that enriches our table. That enriches us.
2: Yeah. You said an interesting thing. You said competition. Tell me more mm. about that side of it.
0: Well, I don't believe in competition to start with. I see everybody as being a I'm glad you said approach. that. Yeah, because... <laughs> In my business, I'm a profiler and there are a few other profilers around the world that work with the face, et cetera. So I sort them out. I wanted to connect with mm-hmm. them. I wanted to find out about how they work. And what's come out of that is about three different joint ventures already, looking at books, mm-hmm. looking at different programs working together, because each of us have our own gifts that we bring to the table. Somebody else in the same industry brings their gifts as well, and they'll be different to ours. They will complement mm-hmm. each other if we find the way to put it together. I remember back in the 90s when I first joined the Chamber of Commerce after I would left telecom and before it became Telstra, moved into my own business, joined the Chamber of Commerce, went along to one of the meetings. And I was talking to a couple of people. I said, well, why don't you talk to those people over there? Oh, they're accountants. I said, but you're an accountant. They go, yeah, that's why we don't talk to them. They're our competition. And I'm going, they're after the same clients we're after. I go, well, Newcastle's a small, you know, it's the biggest town outside of a capital city. It's the biggest regional one. But at the same time, I went, why don't you go after clients in Sydney? It's only, you know, an hour, a couple of hours away. That was before we had the internet really raging at that stage. It was more travel down they said well we're not big enough the companies down there are bigger i said well there's a good reason to go and talk with your competition because and put something together your overheads aren't as great as those in sydney mm. You'd be, they'd, be, they'd, be, they'd be worried about you coming down and competing instead of you worrying about not being big enough it's through collaboration that you get out no longer a small fish in a small pond you can then become a big fish in a big pond and therefore be mm. able more with it you would be able to get better deals because you don't have the same overheads as the sydney merchants because all their rents are more dearer and at the same time, you'll have, that because you got the compliment of the other person, create something that nobody else has got. Mm. There's no such thing as competition. When you yeah. get smart, competition is about scarcity. Collaboration right, right. is about abundance. Mm. I love so here's abundance.
2: the thing though, you are full of abundance, that's right, and I love that. But here's the thing about scarcity, about competition, because I think we have to press in on this because you and I both agree that competition doesn't even exist, hmm. but the world is not in agreement on that. Like there is still very much system structures thinking that are set up around the fact that it is a competition. Why do you think this is beyond scarcity?
0: I think it's been ingrained into our our being. You know, every generation is the uh, result of the previous generation. And so if anyone's complaining about the millennials or the Gen X, come back to the previous generations. I remembered recently somebody who was a Gen X had put a post up and talked about the baby burners, the Gen X and the millennials, and said, oh, it looks like the Gen X are the best generation. And I went, well, each generation is the result of the previous generation. You're welcome. (laughs) 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 You're complaining about the Millennials, so who's responsible for them? So that yeah. was a bit of a joke with him. But each generation does create the next generation that comes along, and we learn from the observation. So if we have mm-hmm. parents who are in the scarcity mindset, we then take that on as well. It's passed down because mm-hmm. people talk and we take a bit of that in, but what they do, we take more of. It's like if your words mm-hmm. and your re- actions don't correlate, people always yeah. go, with- so children yeah. get by their parents, they learn from them. If the parent's talking about how, you know, so-and-so we runs another company, they're taking away my business and everything else, they're educating their child into that competition mindset. Mm-hmm. And it's propagated through the generations. The only way that changes is for us to decide to act differently.
2: Yeah. So we've come to the conclusion that we are to act differently. What does that differently look like?
0: Well, in my case, I came out of telecom. I went into a number of different businesses I ran. And I realized that just through observation, because, you know, my business as a profiler is i got to observe people. And so I started Mm. really working into that area and looking for what was different. And it became an awareness. I saw those that were really stuck in their mold of uh, competition were always worried about where the next dollar was coming from. And they were struggling. And I looked at the ones that seemed to be happier were the ones that didn't feel like they had competition. And I thought, right, if there's something here in that. And I started looking at it. I just started behaving differently myself. And I started realising when I would go to networking groups and network with people, not find out, because I'd ask people, who came here to sell? And all the people would put their hand up. I'd say, who came here to buy? No hands go up. So I'd say, right, mm-hmm. you came here to talk at each other, not Great to sell Great question. And so I then went, right, tell me about your business. Well, first of all, I want to know about you. If I don't know about mm-hmm. the person, then I don't know how, whether I can trust them or not. It's in there talking about their story, why they're doing what they're doing, today, I know where their passion is. And then I go, right, well, this person can then probably provide that service. So tell me about the mm-hmm. service you've got. And I'd find out about them and i go, Well, who in my network of people need that service? And I generally find that I've just been talking to somebody the day before who's been saying, oh, I've got this problem. Next day I'm talking to somebody Mm. who is going, this is the service I provide, and I'm going, guys, here you are, and I put them together and step out of the way. They go, well, what do you get out of that? I got to look after somebody because in my network, I've been able to look Mm. after somebody else, and even if you don't come back to me for years, I'm still going to be in your mind. And when something comes up, you'll remember it. And I started getting people coming to me as clients three and four years later Because I said, oh, I was just talking Mm -hmm. to so-and-so recently and they were telling me about you. And I hadn't talked to that person that they'd been talking to for two or three years. And so I realised in your behaviour, they say character is who you are in the dark. In other words, what's your character when people can't Mm -hmm. see you? If it's the same as what they can see you, then you'll always Mm -hmm. have reputation. So be consistent. And that's what I found by being consistent, being truthfully genuine that I want to help people. People Mm -hmm. were then remembering and it was just coming rushing back in the door.
2: Wow. So you say a couple of interesting things there, because there's trust, there's the fact that we should be bringing our differences to the table and the fact that, you know, we need to just turn up as who we are in the light as in the dark, you know, kind of thing. Mm. That's great in theory. It's really difficult in these days to turn up and do that because there's expectations as a society of how we are to turn up, what that's meant to look like, how we please don't say it this way because if you do it this way, that's gonna insult someone or there's a lot of things that if we look different, if we sound different, it is not so acceptable at the table. So how do we start thinking, you know, we have to bring these differences mm. And, you know, like, what does that really truly look like if we're going to bring that from theory to actual reality? You
0: well, know, like one of my friends had mentioned the other day, he said, don't go where you're tolerated, go where you're celebrated. And that's what I then mm-hmm. looked at. And I thought, right, who's actually not agreeing with what I'm saying or agreeing with what I do and everything else? There's 7.7 billion people in the planet. There if is. that group over here doesn't agree with me, then why do I stand around them? I'll find a group that does. And, being yourself, being genuine, being truthful about the things that you do, it's the most important thing. If you don't have your integrity, you don't have anything. You know, if you're just going to, go, oh, I've got to change for this group over there. You know, I'll make a distinction here. When I do, I profile somebody, I'd like to know their personality. Therefore, I know how they like to be spoken to. I know where they're yeah. on the world. I know where I am in the world scale. And I go, great. If I want to connect with them, I have to tune my transmitter into their receiver for them to understand what I'm talking yeah. about. I so will change the way that I'm talking, the language I'm using, the way i present things to match the way that they need to uh, receive it but I'm not changing mm-hmm. me as a person and yes so I
2: agree with that one
0: that way then they actually I'm talking to them I'm communicating in their language in other words they're not uh, speaking Greek and I'm not speaking French yeah I'm yeah. speaking English the same language yeah. And so that way, I I see this
2: so important. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I really (laughs) see this as an extremely important thing for people to recognize because I think that it's interesting because we're talking about bringing, I always say, and this is why I go back to humanity as stakeholders at the decision table because I say we come as humans first, but we bring our distinctions to the table. And then that becomes an even playing field because really what we're coming to do is are we going to add value to humanity? we going to take away? And why are we adding value? Because, and you brought this up about the generations, but we want to make sure that we're leaving behind footprints for the next generations and the generations and the generations to come. So if this is a true case, and we are adding value to humanity, and we're coming as humans together at the table, then we need to not be doing these separate tribes, which is in some ways what you're saying, we go where we're celebrated. The problem mm. is when we go where we're celebrated, that's where everyone looks like us, sounds like us, and probably relates to us. What I'm trying to do is go, how can we bring more distinctions to the table? And that means that maybe we're going to have uncomfortable conversations. Maybe we're going to have different people that don't look like us, sound like us at the table. How do we have more of those conversations? Because that's where the learning and the evolving is going to come from. And in many cases, that's where we're going to start narrowing that gap from the extremes rather than having it widen any thoughts or insights around that
0: well when i say go to where you're celebrated doesn't necessarily Mm. mean those people are the same as you they don't yeah. necessarily They definitely won't look even like me in a lot of cases but yeah I find probably, that
2: everywhere I am at
0: yeah, feel, those people are probably feeling happy <laughs> about that when I say that they won't look like me
2: exactly the end
0: result is that because I talk to them in the way that they need to be spoken to I'm creating mm-hmm. people within those other groups who are now celebrating what I do I realized that as I grew up I never really fitted into the household I lived in I didn't fit in at school for being with the aboriginal community I don't really fit in there either and I realized that mm-hmm finally, that I was not so much as to fit into any of those areas, but more be a bridge between them. And so I wow. thought, well, I do want my own home. So I created the campfire project which has now gone globally. It's got people of all different walks of life and different genders across the board and everything else. And the commonality in there is everyone treating everyone with respect. So in there, I've created an environment where I'm celebrated with people who are completely different to me in every aspect. But everyone talks with each other with respect. If they don't agree with each other, they ask, why do you feel that way? Tell me about that so I can understand. And that's how I started creating because I thought if I can't find a community where I'm going to fit into I created my own, but at the same time I've created in a way in which, as I believe, leaders' roles are to make themselves redundant, and that is by raising people mm. up to be able to do what you do, and do it better than what you do, so you can otherwise, mm. if you don't, you're in a prison that you've created for yourself, I want to be able to yeah. keep going and keep moving, because the most important thing I'll ever learn is the next thing i learn after I think I know everything, and at the same time, my other philosophy is, what you do for yourself dies with you, but what you do for others and for the community isn't always will be eternal. You put those together and now you're living what becomes more of a genuine life with connections and virtually the number of people that you come in contact with may not change but the number that you connect with at a deeper level escalates and so that's Mm. how I have gone about it instead of just going well okay yes we have political correctness and a lot of the political correctness is actually creating problems because we're telling everybody they have yeah on that one <laughs> what we should be doing is going, okay, if there's a problem there, how do we fix that problem? Not get everybody else to change because we actually create problems when we do that. We really need to understand that we're all connected. Yeah. International Men's Day, for instance, when that came out just recently in, in November last year, when it was one of the universities yeah. banned it because it was celebrating men. Now in that, that has created a massive problem for those that actually mm-hmm. banned it because what they've done is they've robbed themselves. If you ba- blame all the men, then all the men turn around and go, right, I thought I was doing the right thing. These are the decent yeah. men. And so they go, why bother? So now you've got more yeah. men who don't care. Yeah, This is why I created a group for men initially so that men can become better men because the recipients of that are going to be their partners mm. and their families and their communities. Everybody yeah. who becomes better impacts on everybody else because we are each other's environments. And if we become better in ourselves, we improve the environment, which improves the life of the other people. Mm. We're all connected. We can't break away from that. And once we get mm. rid of things like political correctness and we start fixing the problems yeah. instead of trying to you know, put a Band-Aid on it and change everybody, we'll become a better society.
2: Mm. So much truth in what you're saying there. One of the things you did say was around respect. How do you see us as humanity bringing more respect to society?
0: It's in our actions, first of all. To receive respect, the first thing is to show it. Mm. Now, And then the whole thing is respect is earned daily. Now, it might be given to you, but you maintain it daily. I'll give you an example. My first wife, when she left, I had three boys to raise on my own. And in wow. that uh, process, I realised if they didn't respect their mother, they would then have broken relationships, like I'd been through a lot of relationships. And so I realised I had to be the one to build that relationship with her first so that they could then learn from my example because me telling them to do it was not going to work I had to show them and we built a relationship and as I said to her I was doing this for the boys so she could trust me but I said look in doing it I will get to the point where they trust you but after that you have to maintain it it's no longer my job I'm not going to keep coming in and repairing it I'm going to make sure it's nice and strong And then I'll step back and you maintain it from there on. And if everybody were doing that, because it starts with ourselves, if we want a better society, I can't expect the society to change. I have to be the change that I want to see in them.
2: Yeah, you know, there's some fundamentals to leadership that I really think that we as leaders need to take aboard. And we've talked a couple of them already. And that's awareness is the first one. You know, that saying where they say, you don't know what you don't know. And mm. then I always say, yeah, you don't know what you don't know, but when you do, there's a responsibility. Mm. And so for me, the next fundamental to leadership is ownership, right? And so Mm. in your case, you talk about responsibility a lot. Mm. You said awareness and responsibility. And so for me, that piece is ownership. Mm. As as a human race right now, I totally agree with you. We are the only way that change is going to happen across the globe. And that's why I'm continuously looking at us as As individuals and then how does that impact our community our sphere of influence whatever that looks like and then I bridge it back up to going okay let's see how we can actually keep shifting the dial forward and from problem to solution as a global landscape Mm. and because otherwise if we just look at the global landscape and in many cases people you know do this and go it's all too hard Mm. and nothing will change and things will just get you know more challenging and we will be leaving behind footsteps that we're not proud of for the next generation to have to try and get out of and figure the next piece to move them out of that. And that's not beneficial for anyone or, you know, not for us now, but not for those generations to come. You know, the only way is if we as individuals, we are willing to step up and be the change ourselves. But I also believe, and you started talking about this a little bit, where we collaborate Mm. as a more as a collective. And I think that that's the only way the global space of this is going to change, is if there is more of a tribe and more of a culture of, Hey, we're individuals that are making amazing changes in what we're doing. Let's come together as a collective and see how we can do that in a bigger way. How do you see this actually becoming reality?
0: Well, I'm already seeing it becoming a reality in different areas in some of the groups that I'm involved with. But first of all, as we said, we are responsible for ourselves and nobody else. We can't expect other people to change and we become the change that we would like to see in them. So we start with that and then it's finding other people that can connect with. When we then come together and collaborate, we actually escalate the results that we get. They go up at an exponential rate. I'll talk about the Campfire Project. When I created that, it was originally a place for men to be able to come in where they would feel safe to tell their stories because I found in business, most men were saying that they didn't really know their role in the family. They didn't know their role at work, all the political correctness, all the gender equality and everything else, worried about what they said, Mm. their problems at work. Then at home, they'd been out getting the mortgage, paying the mortgage, providing and everything else, then realising, well, we're not at home. We can't be in two places at once. They go, what do we do? And I noticed that the frustration was growing. And when frustration Mm. grows, also anger grows and also then violence. And I thought, right, yeah. this is where some of the domestic violence is coming from, not just from bad men, but from men who are totally confused and lost and frustrated. So I thought, right, they need a safe place where they could come and talk. So by coming into the Campfire Project, the men were able to give themselves permission to tell their stories. And I just provide a place where I sit there, hold their space, and I listen to them. I ask them questions as we go along, but I ask questions in relationship as a conversation on what they've just said. And from there, I then brought them into panel discussions. But I didn't want this to be a men's group alone. And I've had women in there from day one. And I brought the women in that I knew that had great hearts and everything else and I knew their agendas and they would sit in the background. But when I started running the panel discussions, that was when the women said that they had never heard men talk this way before. They loved it because men were opening up and going in deep into their emotions and sharing because I was showing them that sharing their emotions and being vulnerable was the greatest strength that they could have, that anyone can have. (sighs) The women then were sending me messages saying never heard men talk like this before we love it can we get involved and they said what do we have to do i said i've been waiting for you to put your hands up so i started interviewing the women mm-hmm. one brought them into the panel discussions and in two and a half years 250 one-on-one interviews of most of those mm-hmm. that i've done myself and then I've had some other people come in so I've done 95 panel discussions we've had four on screen at a time talking about all sorts of subjects both men and women mm-hmm. in those and now because as I said a leader's job is to make themselves redundant others have now picked the challenge as well and they're running one-on-ones they're running panel discussions as I said I built the bus I've been driving the bus and now I'm getting into the passengers mm-hmm. because the view from the passenger seats a lot easier than driving it all the time and others are driving it. Mm-hmm. I built it okay. to a stage, set the guidelines up. And so others of them would follow the mission and the vision of what we're trying to create. And they've taken ownership of it. So this is how I build that collaboration in that. And I do the same thing in business when I'm talking to people. Mm. I show them how to build collaboration with their staff, with their associates, even with their competitors and their suppliers. Mm at the end of the day if we're all more cooperative with each other we actually then require more from the world and we then got more that we can provide to the world there's more money for everybody yeah because money comes not from the actual number of dollars but the movement of the dollars
2: yeah love that That's so interesting and brings me to the next fundamental that I really believe which is so once we've taken ownership that there is a change that needs to take place and what is that change that is taking place so in the case of what you have just spoken about there what have you seen as the changes that have taken place or are taking place
0: well i've seen in the campfire project families coming together generations talking to mm-hmm. each other talk to each other before fathers Stop are that. men interviewing their fathers and their sons interviewing them and then grandfathers yeah. talking to their sons but now also looking at the women interviewing their sons their fathers and then getting their daughters interviewed as well and just turning this into a global community because i have been interviewing people from all over the world and so yeah. it does once you've you know set something in motion and people buy into it and that's the trick is putting it away in which people see benefit in it and they want it like in sales yeah if they we yeah. want them to buy from us we've got to find out what they really need and show them that what we have is their solution that's far more valuable what it costs to actually purchase us and definitely a replacement for the you know, frustration in their life and so once yeah. you start doing that and I found what people really wanted to take their lives the campfire project and my business both took off at the same time
2: yeah so here's the thing the sustainability side of this is so powerful and that's the next fundamental and the final one for me it needs to be sustainable solutions that we're bringing to the table right but you said an interesting thing which is something I speak about a lot and that is that in a lot of ways when we talk dollar terms in business there's a real easy measurement to know where you're at and how to move that forward or what that looks like and the change that you bring those things that you are about about how do we measure that how do we show that this is so effective because the world is wanting to know okay that's great you've bought these changes but how do you measure that and we know like you know that if families are working together connected that that has a massive effect on how you bring in the business world or the professional world or whatever it is like there is not a separation between these two yet we create these environments and society is where this is separate things and and so how do we measure that to show how important these things are in bringing back humanity really to as stakeholders
0: yeah well when we look at these things they look like they're separate but in reality they're connected if we put a new system into work we can see it as tangible we put a system in and we had an increase in our Mm profits And we know there's a tangible connection. We know what the profit was or the cost was in doing whatever we did. But at the end of the day, as I keep saying to people, relationships are the foundation of everything we do. Nobody does business with anybody they don't know, like and trust. You've got to have a relationship Mm. with somebody before and you've got to build rapport in that to have that relationship. So that's the foundation of everything we do. Take away your relationships. You've got nothing because think about it people say to me oh you've got to have a good product and you've got to have a good service I go yes that's extremely important it's up there as number one and next to it is your relationships but in reality the relationships come first because if you don't build that relationship <laughs> you're never going to get the chance to actually step up and show I people how good you are. So the mm-hmm. relationships are most important. And the whole thing is mm-hmm. there's no such thing as a business relationship. Businesses don't talk mm-hmm. to businesses. People talk to people. Every relationship that we have is a personal relationship. Once we yeah. understand that, we then know that this is where we start to look at our business and our family life and everything else, not as separate things, but as yeah. connected things. Because if I've yeah. got a great relationship in the business, and I haven't got one at home, then I really don't have a good one at the business either, because we just think we do. People are talking to us in a way to camouflage the fact that they don't want to really show up that they're not doing their job. If we've got a great relationship at home, then you'll have a good one at work as well. Once you understand that there is no difference between the two, everything is connected. It took me a long time to appreciate that. I had a lot of the new age people saying everything's connected, but I couldn't see the connection because none of them were explaining. It It seemed to be a catch cry that people were putting out. And so once I understood that the connection in there, this makes common sense. Why doesn't everybody get it? The only way for other people to get it is in my behaviour to them in the way I do things so that they then buy into those. Like I said with the Campfire Project, if I step away today, it's still going to run. There are people in there who are just so passionate about it, they've taken ownership of it. Yeah, I love that. that. So how do you measure the intangible? Is that, again, okay, just work on your relationships and everything else. Don't change any other systems or anything else and watch the changes. Time management, when it came out, was really an abomination because, you know, people were put there, everything was nice and close, no one had to move. So no one had to move. We got lazy, we got overweight. The only way we can get Mm -hmm. away was yes, to take up smoking and go outside and have a cigarette. They then found out sure. that the water cooler and the coffee machines, in of organizations that's most successful, 67 percent of the conversation two-thirds of the conversation is idle chit-chat because chatting with each other is where we bond with each other and that's when if somebody has a problem in the organization there'll be somebody who will offer to help whereas when you're all in your cubicles and separated from everybody we're all little different nations that don't have anything to do with each other and we created problems so a lot of the time management and other things that we brought out have caused massive problems during the COVID here in Australia I was told that the biggest turnover of positions was leadership role and that was the reason for that, no. was that you got people working from home they can no longer look back at their head sitting at a desk in front of you looking over their shoulder and checking on them at work 87% of people before COVID didn't want to be at work they were disengaged in their work so now they're at home they're away from their boss and the boss used to have to micromanage them to get them to do things and people only do what they were being white for so they kept their pay so the productivity went down and now they're working from home, Mm. people are going, how do we manage them? And I'm going, no, how do you lead them? But the trouble was Mm. most of the training was management training. So people just didn't realise the emotional intelligence how important that is the connections at the personal level override everything else we do we get that right everything else is built on top of it it's like a house sitting on a slab of concrete if that concrete moves everything else above it goes to crumble and the only thing that stops the concrete slab from moving are the footings that go down into the ground and the deeper they mm-hmm. go down the solid that building is the foundations are your relationships so relationships are the foundation of everything we do
2: Totally agree. Just going to stop that noise. (laughs) Relationships. You said relationships are the foundation to everything that we do. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just sitting in that going, okay, would I agree with that? Would I not? I think I do. Yeah. Because if we put relationship to the vision of things, like I have a relationship to a vision, it's a relationship to me and then a relationship to others to come on that. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that. I have not thought of that. And I always ask people what I'm going to, and I'm going to do this at the end of this, but what I've. Learn already is I'm curious around that particular piece because I know the importance of relationships, but I think, and, and I guess this is where it goes back to you with profiling with relationships, right? Like if you profile someone, then you can build a relationship much yeah. deeper, maybe quicker. What is the thinking around that? Like, I want to know that a little bit more.
0: Well, first of all, when you mentioned, uh, you know, think about the connection between things, you have a, a, a business vision, Okay, mm. and you talk about the uh, culture of the business and you're talking about when you hire somebody, them having the same culture. Well, mm. the connection between the two cultures is the relationship. What's their yeah. relationship to your culture? And that's if the they're,
2: connected piece. Yeah. connected
0: The connection, mm. Take the word connection out and put relationship in and it'll make a lot more sense on all the different areas that we're looking at. How is this connected to that? How does this relate to that? What's the relationship between the two of them? A connection is a connection, but is it a strong one or not? But when you turn mm. into a relationship, is it a strong relationship yeah. or not? And once mm. you do that, that's where I find that people go, oh, now I'm starting to get it. And that's when they start mm. to realise, How important the relationship is. What's your relationship with your clients? Is your relationship to just sell a service or is it to serve a client? Because a lot of people don't like selling because they've been around too many, you know, snake oil salesmen, used car salesmen type (laughs) scenario. descriptions yeah and they go i can't sell i go do you have a fantastic product mm-hmm. yes does it really help people when they take it on board yes it does i go well you have no right not to sell to them because if you're a caring person you're actually when selling to them is caring if you don't yeah. care then don't sell to them but if you care you have to yeah. sell to them because otherwise you're robbing them of that experience and it changes because you know you
2: them. have a solution that will help be beneficial and helpful to them right yeah.
0: it changes their relationship in their own thinking yeah to the way in which they mm. do it. They go, oh, so I really do have to you know, find out, talk to that client, get in as deep as possible, really understand why they want it, how it benefits them behind just doing this job and that, but what's behind that? What's behind that? Where's the secondary gains and everything goes? Where's the emotional connections? And when I go, mm. okay, well, this is what I've got there and it'll solve all of that. And that's when the person wants, I don't sell, but people buy. Mm, yeah. When you get the relationship right that's where it'll come in. If you're selling all the time, people say, oh, I'm a great salesperson. I go, mm, let's check out how you do it. Are you convincing people <laughs> or are they convincing themselves that they want yeah. your product and service? And <laughs> you know, I'm a bit of an educator as well. So I spend a lot of time with people. i spend a bit more time than a lot of other people will, but I want to make sure that I serve the other person. Yeah, in that, on that. I have the yeah. best uh, life that I can have as well. Mm. You know, I don't believe in compromise. So what have you
2: observed? Okay, so I have to ask this question because James wanted you you to do this and I said really so I'm going to ask this question what have you observed from having a conversation with me
0: well you know two things first of all the moment I see you I've got your face and I've therefore got your personality because very quickly mm. think about it if you lift weights you're going to build muscles up we also know yeah. that everything we feel inside we express outwardly mm-hmm. so if you put that together if you concentrate and think in a certain way you're going to move the muscles in your face regularly and therefore you create ridges and crevices that give away your personality so when I look at you straight away I know that you need all the information before you make a decision you're going to analyze it you're going to find the errors in documents and things like that but once you've analyzed it, it's give me the best way to do it and get out of the way and let me get it done I know there's a yep. bit of a dry sense of humor there you're self-reliant there's also what I call mechanical appreciation which is good at organizing people and events so coaching and working in that role I'm looking at the facial features you'll have even before I sit <laughs> down and talk to you and knowing the professional you're in, I already know that you're good at what you do. And that was how Mm. I actually hired my first branding coach. I looked, there was a group room full of coaches and I went over to one particular person. I said to her, I said, Look, I like hi, she said, but you haven't spoken to me. I said, You're a branding coach and she said yes. And I said, These are people are branding coaches. She said, Yes. I said, The guy over there and she said, They don't even know what I I said, Your face is telling me you can do the work. And she said to me, mm-hmm. Well, you don't know what I charge. I said, Well, the guy over there, he charges less than you, but his face is telling me he can't do as well. And the one over there, her face is telling me that she charges more than you could probably do the job as well as you, but I don't want to pay her price. So I'd like hire you and she confirmed where she was sitting right between the okay. two of them there and she was brilliant and so yeah. I knew then because every trade has an upside and every trade has a downside. So I knew that's I was going to was- ask you. Yeah so
2: knowing that as my profile without even having a conversation with me, what do you see as weaknesses when that is your profile?
0: Okay. And by the way, a weakness I'd prefer to use the word a downside. It's how somebody might operate under stress. I know that once you got the information, just give me okay. the best way let me get to it. Therefore, you may not look at all the possibilities. So what I'll do is if I want to come up to you and say, well, which way should we do it? I'll actually analyze those possibilities first, because that's part of my personality. I like to look at all the Uh. different possibilities which to you might look like I'm procrastinating because I take longer. You've got a higher level of confidence in me and natural innate self-confidence. That's why you come across to everybody as confident and why you feel confident. In my case, I build my confidence. I've got to go away and practice something and really get it working. So I'm also analytical, which means I don't just take the overview and jump into it. I need some more information, but I also look at the multitude of ways in which it can be done. I will look at all of those to then pick out which is the best way. So that makes me slower than you. And then you've got that higher yeah. level of confidence, which means you get it faster. I build my confidence. So I've got to go away and really play with it and make sure I got it right. But there's one thing I can guarantee. Yeah. Once I've got my confidence, I know my shit really well. Because I wouldn't be talking confidently yeah. if I didn't know it. Whereas in your case with a higher level of confidence and you might be talking confidently, I don't know if you've got it until I ask you a few questions. So yeah. there is no right or wrong personality trait and it's not one defines mm-hmm. you, it's a combination of all of them. But when you bring them together, as somebody passes mm-hmm. me in the street, I can tell you their personality. If I've got their photograph on their LinkedIn profiles, their websites, I've got their personality. I then put the presentation together and I go through the door and in that I've got an immediate connection with it because I'm talking to them in a way that they like to be spoken to. It's almost like walking in and talking to a long lost friend and I've never met them before. And so the trust comes faster, but because I'm focused on them, the trust then becomes genuine. It's not doing it to calm them. Uh,
2: Yeah. No, here's the thing that I find fascinating on that is, so you're so right on all those things. And the reason that I'm confident, and I've not always been a confident person, just let's be clear here. Like I literally have not been a confident person. I'm actually naturally an introvert. I'm naturally someone that likes to keep to herself rather than be out in the whole wide world. But on the other side of it, what I love is that I've been obsessed with patterns all through my life because I realized that when I could identify patterns, then I could actually hack the system. In other words, when I saw people being really successful, there were so many variables to that and I wanted to figure if I could know what it is that you can wire to that then gets a different behavior and then brings a different result and I can do that fast then I'm going to be way more effective be able to do more and make more impact like that was my thinking and has been all my life and it's the whole what I call in my IP around decision DNA neural pathway training and so for me that's why I'm confident because I know patterns so in the same way that you identify with a face by the way one of the reasons I'm always having conversations with the zoom on is so I can see you watch mm. you because it's things that I'm looking for that how me to, you know, realize that they're probably doing it that way or having an issue at that bit there, that this is probably affecting. So I need to ask a question over here and then I can, and so, you know, things like that help me to be so confident with who I am, what I'm about, and I've seen the results over and over and over again. In other words, I've tested, measured it. I know it's proven. And because of that, I can confidently be doing what I'm doing. And a lot of the times it's uncomfortable conversations because it's, if we go back to some of the conversation we've had, this is, you know, I wouldn't normally hang out with people necessarily on this table that I've had on the table but I can confidently because I know how to have that conversation and pull it out and communicate but it's been years of work for me to get to that point mm-hmm. and you know I'm grateful for it now because I get to work with extremes and that's the whole thing that I do is go how can we narrow that The interesting thing is you mentioned all my analytical side, but on the other side of me, and because I work in both sides of my brain, I'm one of those freaks, Mm. I am extremely creative. And what I find is that most people see me as one. So we go back to that whole thing. Mm. Someone may see me as that analytical, logical, strategic. Like I'm a a global advisor and strategist. That's, you know, my role outside in that way. When people ask me what I do, that's kind of what I say because it's the easiest way to describe what I do. And so people can see me in that role. Do you know on the other side of it, I'm a major visionary. I'm a major creative, innovative. Like that's why I do solutions and pathways and things like that because I love designing things. Mm. So sometimes people see me as that big visionary, designer, play big, all that side of me. And they don't see that analytical, strategic, logical, whatever, decisive, you know, that side of me. And it's interesting because... You know, sometimes that's really hard for people to then to relate to or to know how to communicate because they only see that part. And then they see some of this. Yes, I have dry humor. You know why I have dry humor? Because I love to have fun and enjoy the journey, right? So, and that's not always... The thing that's the norm in, say, a very logical, analytical, strategic sort of environment, right? So, yeah. What do you yeah, think well, of that? Or when well, you hear
1: Some of
0: all of our experiences. And this is the thing people, it's like all the disc profiling, all the other psychometric profiling, we want to put people in boxes like horoscopes. We put people in a box. There's a small number of boxes. There was a thing called the Barnum Effect where they had a whole bunch of people. They put them through a profiling questionnaire. They then got their results, gave them back an envelope and told everybody to sit down, not say a word, open the envelopes up and read their profiles. And then they asked everybody after they'd read their profiles who agreed with their profiles. It was going, yeah, yeah, that's me, that's me. Then they got one of the people to stand up and they said, right, read yours out. And as they're reading out each sentence and each paragraph, everyone's going, that's what I've got they were exactly the same one in the horoscope if you take away the title at the top everyone Mm. will see themselves in there at some point yeah because Mm. we do those times where i'm an introvert i like to withdraw to my cave Mm. but when i'm talking about this stuff put me in front of an audience and you can't shut me up yeah
2: Yeah,
0: me too where our passions and everything else are but i know that Mm. after i've done all my talking and everything else being an introvert i'll withdraw back to my cave so we have all of that. But when I was talking about your traits before, if I'm going to communicate to you with information, I know how much information to give you. Once I know that you start talking, then I've got your body language and expressions that now tell me whether I've connected with you right, whether there's something emotionally going on. And when the other person's talking to me, are they telling me the truth? I'm using four different modalities and created rapid trait profiling, which is now unique worldwide. It means that I can profile somebody from their photograph, go through the door and then meet them. And then I've got the other tools to see how well I've actually read them. And in that, I can then change the way I'm talking. If I go, oh, their face is not the same as the photograph, the photograph might have been distorted because it was shoved into a a frame on the website Mm -hmm. and it pushed it in or stretched it or whatever. And so from that, I can work with it. So And I use those other terms. No matter... Profile tens of thousands of people, and I wouldn't say I've been 100% right, but I've never had anybody (laughs) prove I was wrong. Nobody's ever Mm -hmm. put it down. So I know that I read them very well. But instead of just saying, "Oh, I've read you," and therefore that's it, I then watch your behaviours and everything else and confirm whether I've got it right. This is part of paying Mm -hmm. respect to the other person. If I read them, that I've read them right, because they lose out, I lose out if I'm arrogant about it and think, you know, just say "No, no, personality, no. I'll take that from them. But I'll also understand that the experiences I've had through life, the things that they're passionate about. We've seen a different animation in your body when you were talking and that when you get onto subjects, you've noticed it with me as well. When I talk mm. about the connections of relationships and everything else, my hands are out. I, I had to teach myself to use my hands. I used to stand there and talk, being an introvert, I'm very shy all the way through as a child. I'd stand there rigid. Now, it mm. seems like, I
2: try to keep my hands under control because I'm actually like this all the time because I love life right now in my world and I'm passionate about what I'm doing, but I'm also so curious to develop and keep evolving Mm. and learning and so I feel I'm a physical person as well as a thinky person which is kind of funny too I guess but like if my brain is on overload one of the best things for me is to go and do something physical and so for me if I'm feeling it in my body I want to be able to move my body at the same time. So I know that's part of who I am as well. And at times, i actually been sitting on my arms here a lot today. And so one thing is because otherwise I fall back in this chair (laughs) and it keeps me me sitting up and listening and intent. But, you know, mostly I will be using my arms a lot because that is just who I am. I think like this and I'm visual as well. So I think very much, you know, so for the visual look as I'm thinking as well sometimes, but I love all this sort of stuff. So if people want to know more about what you do and, you know, really interested in knowing more, how do they do that? What's the best way?
0: Well, quickest way, and especially to see reports from people that I've worked with, because at the end of the day, how good am I? I can tell you, but really what I tell you, go and research it. Go and hear what other people have got from. The best place there is my website, which is my name, alanstevens.com.au. Mm-hmm. So as you can see it on the screen at the moment, with one L, not two Ls, and with a V. And... You'll find, go to the success story page and look at all the people who have talked about how it's worked with PTSD, how it's worked in coaching, how it's worked in schools, how it's worked in business, how it's worked in their personal relationships. Using it to find a new relationship, you haven't got one, to improving the one you've already got through to raising children. There's all the information there. And then from there, they can get me on there contact form but the other thing is i'd love more people who really want to make a difference and connect with other people on a heart level come into the campfire project a group on facebook just search for the campfire project if you're searching for me on facebook either reading faces will go to my group page or celebrity Mm. profiler will go to my uh, personal page. And so for a long time, I was called the Celebrity Profiler because I was profiling, you know, our sports stars, our politicians, uh, British royalty and things like that. So I was profiling celebrities. I got rid of that name though and came back to just <laughs> profiling people. <laughs> I caught
2: a little smile on my face when I heard that and you obviously saw that. So you had to go there and explain that piece. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But you don't lead with that. So that's what I found interesting about that. Well, so it is, it I love that.
0: I did some work for Disney Films and Gillette for their Star Wars launch and leading up to that I was known as a celebrity profiler but when I started working with the federal police and with families and everything else you know saying we got the celebrity profiler in it's a little bit like getting a clairvoyant into look at a murder mystery it doesn't work so I oh, just <laughs> classification to a profiling and communications specialist.
2: That's so interesting. So the one question I do ask, which is exactly the same every time on the decision table, and it's to finish up on, is, and it goes back to what we've said around awareness and ownership. And for a change to happen, you know, what an amazing conversation. So thank you so much for being on the decision table, because like, seriously, I've loved how we've just got into layers of the thinking around it for me. And you're right. I love to hear, you know, everything. And that's one of the reasons that I love to be having these conversations, because I can come to, you know, assumptions and Mm. go with the work that I've done. This is what I believe as truths. Mm. But I am truly at a stage in my life. It's less about proving who I am and helping to shift the from problem to solution and the best way I know how to do that is by getting as many insights through other people and their droplets of wisdom and experiences and using different lenses and so then I can have a broader you know, and better result in the work that I do as well, and hopefully can bring a bigger impact through that. So one of the things I ask here is that, so from our conversation today, what is it you're taking? What is it you've got from this? Or maybe it's something that's confirmed something already. You know, what is it that you've got?
0: Well, first of all, I feel like I've created a new friend. I found another person with a like mind. It gives me... I thought the
2: same, by the way.
0: (laughs) I find that, as I said, a lot of the stuff I've done, I've been doing it on my own. To get to where I am now in business, people are saying I look like I'm an overnight success. But it's taken me more than two decades to get there. And so I've always felt like I've been on my own. But I'm finding, as I'm having these conversations with people like yourself, Kim Marie, that there are others out there as well who are in their own circles and doing that. And I'm going, great, there is even more passion now to make those connections to all those other groups. Because as soon as we do that, we have a global community like that. The same as when we treat with respect, we've already fixed bigotry, we've fixed racism, we've fixed all sorts of discrimination. It's gone with the click of the fingers. That's how fast we can do it. When you've got these connections, so. What I've got out of today is a great conversation with you, a passion for doing more of what I'm doing, and a desire to connect with
2: love more that. people. Yeah, so beautiful. Oh, I love that. And like I said, I've got so many things from our conversation. And I think that the one thing that, and I'm just trying to think, there's so much going through my head from our conversation. That's what I love about it, to be honest, was, you know you're right there's been a lot of time in our lives and and I, I can so relate to this where it's so funny because I began seeing this I know I'm talking around about here but I remember seeing when I was nomadic CEO on the road with my family and traveling the world in many different cultures one of the things that came out of it the biggest insight was I saw an epidemic amongst and at that time I was saying leadership and then I realized it was just humanity hmm. and this is way before the pandemic so I started writing about this for about a year and a half Half beforehand, and it was isolation. Mm. And I saw the destruction and damage that was doing. And one of those things has been people who think really differently. And it's come out of a lot of these conversations as well, where there are amazing humans. Like there are so many awesome humans across the globe right now. And there's been a lot of us who have thought really differently and had to work out how or what that looks like for ourselves. And then going, how do we now communicate that to other people and with other people so that they can come learn from those things that we know are so effective and so powerful and take them on that journey with us. And I just want to say to you today that you're not alone on this because there are amazing other humans out there and it's been so powerful for me even to connect with people on here and realize that I'm not alone in the way that I think really differently that and what is exciting about it is that when we connect those together I just think well what would we create what would that look like if we join you know those learnings that both of us have had that others have had time that and be the solution that we know the world is looking for and we also know that is going to leave healthy footsteps for the generations to come to springboard up and yeah. I think that's what I'm taking from today's conversation is knowing again that we're not alone on that that there are other smart I love what you've talked about today absolutely and you know I'm thankful for you doing your work and you know it's so powerful listening to your story around the campfires and where it started with males and you know connecting with males and then it bridged out and females started to come in there and then it was really about humans and how can we keep you know supporting growing and being part of that difference and I want to thank you for your work and for the amazing hours that you have put in because I know from one other person on the other side that you know we do put hours in that many don't see before we get this out to a level that people start seeing it so thank you for that thank you for doing that thank you for believing in yourself in believing in knowing that you had something there that was going to add value to humanity so thank you for that I appreciate you you.
0: thank you I'd love to come over and do an interview with me in the campfire project as well so we'd love to hear was
2: good you're on.
0: Excellent.
2: On. All right. If you were to leave anyone with anything today on the decision table, what would that be?
0: as like I said before, keep an open mind. As I said, the most important thing I've ever learned was the next thing I learned after I thought I knew everything. So be open to things. If you don't agree with other people, don't just go, I don't agree with you. Ask them why they believe the way they do, because you'll be surprised. In that conversation, they may come to your side, or you may come to their side, or you might even join in the middle. Or you may just realize that, no, you have your view, I have mine, but you'll learn to respect the other person in that. And that for... We don't have to change people to be like us. We just have to change ourselves to be better people and the other people will do the same. We've got a better community straight away.
2: And that, my friend, is humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. I love that. All right. I can't say anything better than that. So I'm going to end the broadcast now.
1: Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.